Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at chapter 6 and verses 9 through 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. Well, as you all know, we are working our way through the book of Hebrews on Sunday mornings in a sermon series entitled, Jesus is Better. Last week, we dealt with an incredibly tough passage that had a very solemn warning for every professing follower of Jesus Christ. And the warning was this, by all means, whatever it takes, persevere in the faith. Don't ever disavow Jesus. Don't ever Walk away from him. Because those who taste the heavenly gift and yet spit it back out, those whose minds are enlightened to the truth and yet reject it, those who partake of the Holy Spirit and yet deny him, the writer of Hebrews says it is impossible for such ones to ever be renewed again to repentance. And remember, it's not that you can lose your salvation. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying that by forsaking Jesus, you prove to yourself and to everyone that you never were truly his to begin with. So this is a solemn warning indeed. Thus, it should be our constant and abiding prayer that the Holy Spirit would guard our heart and mind and prevent us from ever doing anything to deny or forsake our Lord and Savior. That we might be faithful to Jesus no matter what hardship, no matter what persecution, no matter what tribulation comes our way in this life. And this God will help us do if we belong to him. So again, we've just had this very stern warning issued to us in verses 4 through 8. But let's take a step back and consider the larger context of this passage. Because really, in the big picture, this is a text that is dealing with Christian maturity. For example, at the end of chapter 5, the writer talks about getting to a point in our spiritual development where we are teaching others. At the beginning of chapter 6, he talks about having our spiritual foundation settled and not having to lay it all over again. So now in today's passage, after pausing to issue that warning in verses 4 through 8, he returns to this idea of maturing in our faith, of growing up in Christ. And something that you may notice as we begin reading this morning is that the writer's tone changes a little bit at this point. Because after issuing that stern warning in verses 4 through 8, he now seeks to assure the Hebrews and he seeks to encourage them in their faith. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Really, there are two primary encouragements in this text. And then we will close with an exhortation or a challenge that I think is really timely for us this morning and really important for us to hear. So let's get into it, and we'll begin by reading chapter 6 and verse 9. Here's what he says. But, beloved, he just got done issuing this stern warning, but, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. So here's how we're going to summarize verse 9. Here's the first encouragement this morning We can and should have confidence in our salvation. 
We can and should have confidence in our salvation. Now, I know we keep talking about the warning from last week, but it's really important understanding our text today. It's very possible that after reading that warning, that some of the Hebrews are now doubting their salvation. Perhaps they heard what the author said about it being impossible for those who fall away to be renewed again to repentance. And they're thinking, oh man, I I hope that doesn't describe me. I hope I didn't cross a line at some point in my life where my door to salvation's now closed. What if I'm not really saved? Maybe there's even someone here today that's experienced those same kinds of fears and, and doubts after hearing the sermon last week. If that describes you, I want you to hear me very clearly. If you're concerned about such things, if you care about your salvation, if you care about your relationship with God, that in itself proves that the door has not been closed to you, that your heart has not been hardened. So take comfort in that. If your heart was hardened to Christ, I promise you, you wouldn't care. You wouldn't be concerned in the least about your state before God. So know that if your heart is soft and seeking God, that there is hope for you. And really, at the end of the day, the question is, have you or have you not repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you've not given your life to Christ, you are not his. You are lost and you are dead in your sin. And you need to call upon him for salvation while you can. Jesus will save anyone, anytime, anywhere who calls upon his name. On the other hand, if you have genuinely committed your life to the Lord, you are his forever and nothing can ever separate you from him. Thus, you don't have to doubt your salvation. You can and should have confidence in your salvation. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying to his readers in verse 9. He's trying to assure them. He calls them beloved. Rachel had a pastor when she was a kid that would say, sometimes the preacher has to say to his congregation, scat cat. And sometimes he has to say, here kitty kitty. And now in verse 9, Paul is saying, here kitty kitty. (laughs) Beloved, it's okay. It's all right. I'm assuring you now, I'm giving you confidence that I know that your salvation is real. That warning that I just issued, that there are false converts, yes, I had to say that, but though I speak in that manner, I'm confident that those things don't apply to you. He says we're confident of better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation. In other words, he's telling them, we know that you are the real deal. So he's trying to strike a balance here, really, right? On one hand, he wants to warn the Hebrews and make really sure that they're examining their own heart because that is spiritually healthy for us to do. But on the other hand, he doesn't want them to live defeated, uh, constantly being in doubt of their salvation. Because one thing we know, if the devil can make a Christian live in constant doubt of their own salvation, they'll likely never lead anyone else to Christ. So what I'm saying is there's a happy medium here. It's, it's good to examine our own heart and make sure that we truly are in Christ. But at the same time, we should reach a point of spiritual maturity where we do have that confidence in our salvation. And if we don't have that confidence, if we're living in constant doubt, it's generally for one of two reasons. Either A, we're not truly saved 
and that's why we're doubting our salvation. Or B, we are saved, but we're not walking closely with Jesus. And when we're not walking closely with Jesus, yeah, it's only natural. He's going to feel distant. And we're going to wonder, do I really have a relationship with him? We'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. But for now, I really want you to be encouraged. Have you genuinely repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus? If so, then you are his forever. And he is yours forever. And nothing can ever separate you from God. And you can have confidence in that. And you must have confidence in order to be a healthy Christian. I hope and pray that every true Christian here this morning has confidence in your heart and in your soul of your salvation because you can. All right, let's read verse 10 now. And we're going to see a second encouragement that the writer of Hebrews gives to his readers. He says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Encouragement number two is this. God knows the work that we do for him and will not forget, particularly ministry to his saints, ministry to his people. In this verse, the author seeks to encourage the Hebrews by reminding them that the work that they do for the Lord is not in vain. God is not unjust and he will not forget their labors. You know, all of us like to be recognized for the work that we do, don't we? That's only human. We want to feel acknowledged. We want to feel appreciated. Sometimes we can feel that the work we do, particularly work for the Lord, goes unseen and goes unnoticed. It is certainly true for this church, and I suspect for every church, that there are many people behind the scenes doing tasks that rarely get talked about or noticed that are nonetheless vital to the mission and the operation of the church. We don't always do as good a job as we should of recognizing those of you who do those tasks. And we need to do better at that. I need to do better at that because we do appreciate all of you very much. And we appreciate your service to the Lord and to his church. At the same time, This verse assures us that even when we are not acknowledged by our peers as we like to be, and really perhaps as we should be, we know that there is a God in heaven who sees our labor for him and will reward us accordingly. And that encourages me. And hopefully that encourages you as well. And then verse 10 goes on to highlight a specific type of ministry that God will not forget. And that is the ministry that we carry out for one another within the body of Christ. Verse 10 says that when we labor in love on behalf of the saints, our fellow Christians, that we actually demonstrate love for God himself. Now, just to clarify, this does not mean that a church should be inwardly focused, right? Our mission as given by Jesus is to make disciples of the nation. So we always want to be looking outward. There are churches who do a wonderful job of ministering to their own, but they do very little to reach the lost and those outside the walls. And so we have to be careful about that because it's very easy for a church to become a club, and that is not our mission. At the same time, we do have a responsibility to care for one another. 
We have a responsibility and a duty to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. As a dad, one of my favorite things is to see my children care for one another and encourage one another and serve one another. That doesn't happen a lot right now, but I like it when it does. It's cool when it does. Our Heavenly Father is the same way with us. When his children minister to one another in his name, he's glorified in that. And in that, the church becomes a community. It becomes a family. And that is a beautiful thing. And you all do such a good job of this, of bearing one another's burdens, of taking care of one another in the body. And I do commend you for that. But again, the encouragement is this. When we serve the Lord, particularly when we serve his people, God sees that. He knows that and he will not forget. And we will be rewarded in due time. All right, so there's a couple of encouragements for us today. Now, in these last two verses, we're going to look at an exhortation, a challenge that the writer of Hebrews has for his readers. And I encourage you to pay careful attention to this exhortation because I think it has a really timely and important application for us in our church in this season in which we find ourselves. So let's read chapter 6 now, verses 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. All right, here's the summary of what we just read. Here's the exhortation. Serve the Lord to the end. Not becoming sluggish in the faith, but rather imitating those who are faithful. Let's break that statement down and talk about it just a little bit. First of all, there's a really important correlation that I want to point out in verse 11. When we are diligent to serve the Lord until the very end of our life, as verse 11 exhorts us to do, there's a wonderful benefit that comes with that. As we serve the Lord with diligence, as verse 11 says, we receive the full assurance of hope. In other words, the more we serve the Lord, the more assured we are and confident in our salvation. Have you ever noticed that correlation in your own life? In those seasons when you faithfully attend church, when you're in the word on a daily basis, when you're spending time in prayer every day, when you're regularly sharing your faith and inviting people to church, when you're actively serving in the church, don't you feel close to Jesus in those times? You just feel like he's right there with you all the time. You have this wonderful fellowship with him. You're talking to him constantly throughout the day. And when you're in that place, you don't doubt your salvation You have assurance of your salvation. When you're walking closely with the Lord, if someone were to ask you, are you sure you're saved? You'd say, yes, of course I'm saved. You'd say that without reservation. It'd be a no-brainer because you're serving the Lord and you feel close to him. That's what the author is saying here. There's a direct correlation between how diligently we pursue the Lord and how assured that we are of our salvation. Conversely, it is true that oftentimes we doubt our salvation, not because we aren't saved, but because we aren't walking closely with Christ. We have unconfessed sin in our heart. We're neglecting our spiritual disciplines. 
And as a result, Jesus feels very far away. If you're in that state, you need to understand God has not distanced himself from you. You have distanced yourself from God. But here's the good news. God will welcome you back anytime with open arms. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What a wonderful promise that is. Christian, if you've been far from the Father, just come home. That's all. Just come home. Confess your sins. He will forgive you and cleanse you. And he will welcome you back into his fellowship. The closer we walk with God, the more diligently we serve him, the more assured we are of our relationship with him. Now, verse 12 is where the rubber really meets the road in this morning's sermon. And I believe verse 12 is a specific word from God for our church this morning. And the exhortation for us is simply this, do not become sluggish. Now, this is the, not the first time that the author has used this word in his letter. If you remember back in chapter 5 and verse 11, the writer tells the Hebrews that they have become dull of hearing. And we said at the time, the Greek word translated as dull in that verse means sluggish. It means lazy. Interestingly, it is the exact same Greek word used here in chapter 6 and verse 12, only this time it is translated as sluggish. The point is that the writer is challenging the Hebrews not to become sluggish, not to become lazy in their service to the Lord. Now, what is the application in this for us? Well, generally speaking, I think we all have to fight the impulse to fall into spiritual laziness. We are all prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. It is always human nature to drift away from God. We do not naturally drift toward him. No one does. To grow closer to God requires intentionality and it requires effort. And so we really have to be diligent to discipline ourselves to be in the word, to stay in prayer, to be faithful to the church, to share our faith, etc. It's very easy to get out of the habit of doing those things. And the longer we don't do them, the easier it becomes. Sometimes I'll go visit people and they'll say, Pastor, I'm so sorry we haven't been at church for so long. And I always tell them, I often tell them, in a way I can relate I can understand because I feel the same way about the gym. I compare spiritual disciplines to physical exercise. And here's what I mean by that. I know it's good for me to exercise. I always feel really good when I do. Without exception, I'm like, man, I'm glad I did that. When I get in a good rhythm of daily exercise, I even start to look forward to it. But boy, when I miss two or three days in a row, it becomes very difficult to get back into it. Am I the only one? Anybody relating? (laughs) And I think that's how it is with our spiritual disciplines as well. It doesn't take too long to get out of the habit and just become very lazy spiritually. And frankly, I think this is one of the great dangers of the last year with Christians and COVID-19. We've put a lot of emphasis on protecting our, our physical health in the last year and 
And that's a good thing. We certainly don't want to make light of that. But what about our spiritual health? What about those spiritual disciplines? To some extent, COVID-19 has prevented us from doing those, or at least has made it more difficult. Things such as gathering with the saints and carrying out the ministry that God has called us to and being engaged in the Great Commission. And I won't speak for you, but I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but I've sensed in myself in some of these areas, if I'm being honest, maybe just a little bit of apathy, maybe just a little bit of sluggishness creeping in, a little bit of spiritual laziness. And that's why I think that this passage that we're looking at this morning is so timely. It's calling us to action. It's calling us not to become sluggish, but to wake up and get fired up to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to fulfill our mission. Church, next Sunday, we're going to take a huge step forward in resuming our regular schedule and restarting our Sunday morning small groups and returning to one worship service. And I know that many of us are excited about those things. Uh, There's people that we haven't seen for a long time because they go to a different service than us. And it's going to be so cool just to have the whole church together again to worship. And I think that in itself is going to be reviving. And, And I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope this room is full next Sunday. And I love preaching to a full room, so I I hope that it is. But brothers and sisters, with that being said, we also need to re-engage in the mission. Frankly, if our church is going to be healthy and strong, if we're going to grow, then all of us have to do more than simply fill a pew. For instance, it's time to get re-engaged in a small group. Adults, we're going to have four small groups meeting next Sunday morning at, five, at nine o'clock. Uh, find one you like and be faithful to it. Hopefully our small groups will grow and multiply and we'll add more as time goes by. Small groups provide a chance to study and discuss God's word with other Christians and truly connect with people and form genuine relationships. Being part of a small group is so vital to our spiritual development. And not only would we challenge you to re-engage with a small group, it's time to re-engage in service and in ministry. It's time to get busy working for the Lord again. If we're going to get this church fired back up and running again, we need you. We need our members to step up and fill jobs in the church. Right now, we need members to be nursery workers and door greeters and security guards and offering counters and teachers. And the list could go on and on and on. If you don't have a job in the church, please come to me or Pastor Bill. Say, hey, plug me in somewhere. And we would be glad to put you to work. It's time to re-engage. It's time to get back to work for Jesus. Let us not be sluggish, but let us be diligent in service to our King. One more important note on verse 12. As we think about re-engaging in the mission... As we think about serving the Lord, what advice does the writer of Hebrews give us? Well, he says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, imitate faithful people. Some commentators think he's referencing um, heroes of the Old Testament here when he says that. But others think he's just telling them to imitate the faithful, mature Christians around them. Either one's a good idea. I don't think you can go wrong either way. 
But I tend to think that he probably means the latter. If you're here today and you're like, well, I'd, I'd like to serve the Lord, but I don't really know where to start. Pick out someone in this church who has served the Lord faithfully for decades. We're blessed with many of them and do what they do. In fact, it would be a good idea to go to them and say, will you teach me to do what you do? Can I shadow you? Will you mentor me? Will you show me how to serve the Lord? And I bet you anything that they would be overjoyed to do that. As we come to a time of response this morning, I'm going to ask the musicians to go ahead and and come on up. I hope that you've been encouraged today that you can be confident in your salvation. I hope that you've been encouraged that God does see your labor of love and he will not forget the things that you do for him. And I also hope that you've been challenged not to be sluggish in your service to him, but to be active and engaged in his church and in his mission. I would love it this morning as we have our song of response here in just a moment. If God's people, if you all would come to the altar and just pray for God to revive our church and to do a new work in us and to do a fresh work in us as we prepare to start really what I see as a new chapter in the story of the life of this church as we emerge from this era that we've been in, we need to seek God's face. We need to seek his will and his direction. I challenge you individually to pray. And to ask God to show you what your part is in the mission of this church. And then be obedient to whatever it is that he lays on your heart. As always, if you have any decision today that you need to make for Christ. If you're ready to become a Christian. If you need to follow the Lord in baptism. If God is leading you to unite with this church in membership. This is your time to make that known as well. Let's stand at this time. We're going to have a song of response And again, I would just invite you, church members, let's just come. Let's have a time of prayer this morning at the altar. Let's just come and pray for our church and pray that God would show us what he would have us to do. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Lord, thank you so much for this sermon. Thank you, Lord, for this message that you have given us today. God, may your hand be upon this church. Lord, may we be obedient to serve you, to do what you call us to do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.